I invite you to join me in listening to some verses found from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4. Hear these words. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night without ceasing they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one who is seated on the throne and worship who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, O our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's pray. Father, today we pray that you'd speak in a way that we can understand. Lord, as you pull back the curtain and allow us to see into heaven, Lord, help us to understand more fully who you are and how we are to approach and worship you. We make our prayer in Jesus' sweet name. Amen. In 1953, a poor black young man with all his possessions either on his back or in a small satchel with a pair of his sister's borrowed shoes boarded a train in Mobile, Alabama to go and play in the Negro Leagues. This young man became one of the greatest baseball players to ever swing a bat. His impact on the game of baseball has been immense. Today, if you were to go down to Atlanta, or this spring or summer, if you were to go to a Braves baseball game, you would be greeted at Truist Park with a statue of this man, which bears his image and proclaims honor to one of the greatest baseball players to play, Hank Aaron, hammering Hank Aaron. This month, uh, Pastor Jacqueline and I are going to be uh, starting a sermon series called The Songs of Heaven. And these are uh, scenes that we will see in heaven around God's throne where there's worship going on. It's as if God pulls back the curtain so that we can peek in to see what takes place in that heavenly dimension. These are exciting scenes, exciting passages of Scripture that are just filled with all kinds of neat things. I believe that we're going to have a great time looking at these, understanding these a bit better, and I think it will make a difference in who we are and how we approach God. Now, as we begin to look through this portal into heaven and see the throne, we'll begin to discover something about worship that happens in heaven that may be somewhat different than is often experienced on earth. You see, on earth, particularly in our contemporary scene, Oftentimes, we try to make worship about us. It's what I like or what I find meaningful. But in heaven, the focus isn't on me. The focus isn't on you. The focus isn't on human beings. But the focus is on God. Revelation chapter 4 is, uh, is a, a scripture that, that tells about this writer, John, who has this vision. And in this vision, he is transported up into heaven and beholds the heavenly dimension. And immediately, when he gets into this heavenly scene, his attention focuses on who and what is at the center focal point of heaven. 
It is God on the throne. God is on this throne that appears as if it is an emerald, and he is surrounded by this sea, a sea of glass. It's obvious that all attention is directed to that focal point, God on the throne. All that are there are focusing attention. John is focusing attention upon God. God is the focal point. Now, God is not alone, though, in heaven. There in heaven, there are also some 24 other thrones that surround the thrones, and we're told that they are occupied by these folks called elders, and it appears that these elders have a human origin. These viceroys, or cabinet of God, are there with God as God is on God's throne. And then there's these strange creatures up in heaven. Really strange creatures. These creatures are flying around. They are angelic guardians of God's throne. They have lots of wings. Six wings, three pairs of wings each creature has. And we're told that they are full of eyes. They can see above them. They can see below them. They can see beside them. They can see behind them. They can see even inside of things. They've got eyes all over One looks like a lion, one looks like an ox, one looks like a human being, and one has the appearance of a flying eagle. And day and night, they fly around the throne. And as they fly, there's flashes of lightning and there's roaring thunder in this epiphany of God there in heaven. And these angelic guardians form a quartet who sing heaven's sanctus. By the way, sanctus merely means holy. They sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they proclaim this song, holy, 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 over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Do you get the idea? And guess what? Over and over again, unceasingly proclaiming that God is holy. Their song is a chorus, a praise song, an anthem. A hymn proclaiming who God is. Their words are really serving a twofold purpose. One is a proclamation of who God is. You see, God, their God, this God that's seated on the throne in heaven, this God is holy. This God is separated from all other, is in a rim all to God's own. There is none holy as God is holy. The supreme holiness rests with their God. Holy, holy, holy. Three times they repeat the words indicating the completeness of God's holiness. This God who they're flying around the throne is almighty, 
all power in heaven, in this universe, all power on earth, whether it's political power, whether it's power that changes things, whether it's power that moves the universe, all power belongs to this God who is all-powerful. And this God has always been, is, and will always be this God that they're proclaiming who is seated upon the throne is eternal. For us in our worship, it is so important to proclaim who God is. You see, oftentimes our understanding and knowledge of God can be incomplete, sometimes misguided, and other times just flat wrong. And in our worship, we need to declare who the true God is. So many of our songs that we sing, the hymns that we proclaim, are songs that give us the identity of who God is. A second purpose of their words were to announce to all who are in heaven, who this God is. You know, it's kind of like, uh, maybe you've probably seen it on TV, maybe some of you have actually experienced it in person. When the President of the United States enters into a location, there is this announcement, the President of the United States of America. And that's what these angelic guardians are doing. They are proclaiming that present here in this space, in this dimension, is the supreme ruler of this universe. God the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Today, we need to be as those angelic guardians in our worship, proclaiming, who God is, announcing to others around, this is the God who is present among us. This is the God who is visiting with us. This is the God who is present with us. This is the God who is touching our heart. This is the God who is transforming us. This is the God who is at work in our world. But not only do we as a gathered community need to hear the announcement that God is among us and who that God is, but we need to take it out into the world and to share with the world. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who cares. There is a God that's making a difference. There is a God who is at work. Even in the midst of our chaos, God is present. We, like those angelic guardians, become God's announcers of God's presence. Over the past two years, uh, we've learned a lot about how infectious a virus can be, right? And, and you know, uh, there have been a lot of attempts to try to uh, uh, limit the infection rate and even to try to eliminate COVID's impact on people and, you know, try to stamp it out. And so, you know, we've, uh, we've worn masks, we've social distanced, we've gotten vaccinations, uh, uh, we, we've quarantined, you know, we've taken all these measures, and, and, and they have helped. I mean, there's some value in those practices. But yet, even coupled together, none of these have eliminated people getting sick with COVID. 
And the recent variant is extremely contagious. And all of us know somebody that even today is positive with COVID-19. But do you know something that is more contagious than COVID-19? And you all know something more contagious than COVID-19? If not, I'm going to tell you, right? That's the reason I'm asking the question. What's more contagious than COVID-19? This is our riddle for today. Where's Brandon? I, I can tell better jokes than he can, uh, Pastor Jacqueline, you know? <laughs> now, this isn't a joke. This is true. What is more contagious than COVID-19? Heavenly worship. For when those angelic guardians lifted their concophony of praise, their sanctus to God, holy, 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 the 24 elders on their thrones, they fell down before God, cast their crowns on the floor, and began to sing their song of praise. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now, this song, if you're listening closely, is a bit different in its orientation than the angelic guardians. You see, the angelic guardians sang about God, who God is. And there is a place in our worship to sing and to proclaim who God is. It's appropriate at times to sing about God. But the elders were not singing about God. They were singing to God. Get the distinction? It was a song directed to the one on the throne. And in our worship, we need at times to direct our songs, our heart, our voice to God directly to the one on the throne. I find myself at times, whether in this context in worship or in the sanctuary worship, and we're singing songs that are largely about God, of substituting you to the word God so that I'm singing that song to God. You, O Lord, are worthy. You, O God, are good. You, O God, have done great things. You have created and are creating. You are worthy. These elders acknowledge that God is worthy to receive the worship offered God is worthy of all of our accolades and affirmations directed toward Him. And they said, God, You are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. God deserves all glory, honor, and power. These are three big, 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 humongous concepts. As a matter of fact, I really don't have the language to describe them to you. But they belong to God. They are God's. Doxae, the Greek word for glory, it's where we get our word doxology, which means to offer God glory. This word speaks to the weight of importance of something or someone. It speaks of the, the wealth of value of a person or thing. It speaks of the splendor 
Gerhard Kettle wrote, To give God glory is not to impart something He does not have, but to acknowledge the honor that is His due. Not to give something to God He doesn't have, but to acknowledge the honor that is His due. Timae, the Greek word translated honor, where we get the name Timothy, to honor God. This is an act about of evaluating and giving recognition. It is providing that, 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 that worth to that one for who and what that person has done to bring honor. In Eastern culture, honor also has to do with bringing recognition to one's reputation and character. It is that which honors that person. To dishonor that person is a no-no to bring honor. And so... Honor is due to God. We recognize the sense of God's character and value and reputation. And then dunamis, the Greek word for power. This is the power that makes things go. This is the power that transforms. This is the power that rules the universe. This is the power of gravity. It is the power of heat. It is the power of light. It is the power that, of love. It is the power of all things. It is political power. It is all power. This is God's. God is worthy of glory, honor, and power. As many of you know, uh, Patty and I are the parents of three sons. And I have to tell you, I'm proud of all three of my sons, uh, how they care for their family, uh, for what they do, and for who they are. I, uh, my, my sons make me proud, if you know what I mean. They, they, they bring glory to this old daddy. In the worship performed by the elders, there's a subtle act that speaks volumes in a biblical perspective. When the elders hear the songs of the angelic guardians, John saw that they fell prostrate on the ground and cast their crowns before the throne. Now, you need to understand that the casting of the crowns is not merely an act of respect. Like if you come into a room, you know, when you're in grade school, you know, guys, you would take off your hat. That's a respectful thing to do. It's a lot more than that. In Psalm 8, there is this profound question asked by the psalmist. And the psalmist asks, God, when I look at your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you have established. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Have you ever thought about that? Why would God be concerned with us? Why would God give us the light of day? Why would God care about us in looking at this vast, enormous universe and then the psalmist shares a realization you have made them us human beings a little lower than God and have crowned them crowned us with glory 
and honor. Human beings are crowned with glory and honor. We are created with a weightiness, with a value, with a splendor that is amazing. In biblical language, we are created in God's very image. Designed to reflect back to God, God's own glory, honor, and splendor. Created in God's image. When those elders cast their crowns, that what they're doing is they're casting all glory and honor that they have back to God because they realize God is the originator of all glory and honor. Anything that you have, any honor, any glory in your life, any splendor, any great thing has come from God. And they cast that back to God as image bearers of the eternal God. I hope you let that sink in. Because that gives us the nature of our worship. Our worship as we gather here is a casting back to God, God's glory. Anything that we have, any skills that these musicians have, any accomplishments that you have, any resources that we have accumulated, anything that gives us weight and value, it all goes back to God. It all goes back to God. And just as that statue at Truist Park bears the image of Hank Aaron to give him honor, you and me are designed to give honor and glory to God, to reflect that back to the Father. That happens not only as we sing and proclaim here, but it happens in the living out of our very lives. In the world around us, we are to be those people in how we live, what we do, how we say, how we relate to others that reflect the God we love and the God who loves us.